In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Hope everyone is doing well uh, out there in virtual land and staying safe and enjoying the time with your families. Um, today is the fifth Sunday of Great Lent, and today's gospel reading is focused on the healing of the man who had an infirmity for 38 years. And so <clears throat> during this 38 years, this man, um, you know, the, the Bible's kind of silent on what he did during this 38 years, but one can presume that he struggled with his infirmity, um, and it was not an easy thing for him to overcome. Um, we have now completed five of the eight weeks of fasting for Great Lent. So we're about halfway, we're more than halfway through the journey. And so we're continuing down the spiritual path that we talked about. And the end is near. The destination is close at hand for the end of the uh, journey of Lent. Uh, we talked about, to kind of summarize this journey, the first week uh, that we decided that there is indeed a destination and that we have to start this journey in the first place and that we have our eyes focused on that destination and we should lay our hearts and our minds on the destination. That's where our treasures are. Um, in heaven, of course. And in the second week, we read about the temptation of Christ, which of course reminds us that as soon as we start any spiritual work, we will indeed face any kind of troubles or tribulations or any kind of temptation. We need to be prepared for that and, and be ready and be on watch and even be prepared to fall uh, because that is the, the nature of uh, the spiritual life is to fall and rise again, which is why in the third week, we talked about the returning to God uh, of the prodigal son and the ever loving embrace of his father who accepted him with love and gentleness and great honor. After we get up, we continue down the spiritual journey. Like any journey, we need nourishment and refreshment. So we read about the uh, Samaritan woman's discussion with our Lord, where he promises that living water, which springs up in our own hearts, which uh, we'll, we will never thirst. Because after um, we are baptized and, and anointed with the chrismation, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we search for God nowhere except inside of us, right? We do not have to search far from God. We know that God is inside of us. And in the time where we need him, he is nearer than anyone else. He's inside of us. And as we progress down that journey, because we've fallen and risen many times, we need healing along the way. So we hear today that the um, uh, that God heals this person who was sick for 30 years from his uh, ailment. From this story of the healing of the sick person who was likely paralytic, uh, because of his sickness, we gain a few beneficial lessons. So we'll go through those. First, when we look at the man himself, of course, we've all, in our Sunday school lessons, we've all learned about the patience of the sick man near the, the pool of Bethsaida. Um, first of all, let's ponder, you know, the patience and perseverance of this man who was sick for 38 years and had the faith to still come to the pool and uh, look for healing. And he knew that God was capable indeed of healing him. His only logistical challenge was getting into the pool. But he knew indeed that God was able to raise him from his ailment. Uh, pretty amazing patience. When we look at, for example, this man who after 38 years was not lock, lacking in faith, but uh, that 38 years didn't wear him down and cause bitterness to spring in his heart, but that he was still uh, faithful in God's power to raise him from this ailment. He was sure if somebody would have just put him in the pool that he would rise up uh, and be healed after the angel, of course, uh, touched the water and caused it to, um, to move. You know, on the, you know, when we compare ourselves with this, right, sometimes when we make a request of another human being, we're often very patient with that person. But with the Lord, sometimes we're not so patient. We often, uh, you know, the immediate response from him, even though God is the one who indeed listens to all of our prayers with love and 
will give us what we ask for as long as we ask for the right things in its due time and its due season and in its due measure. But we want him to bend to our expectations sometimes, right? Our requests are sometimes could be full of pride, presuming to understand what we need in the first place, why we need it, and when we need it. And if God doesn't work within these parameters, we get anxious and frustrated, and sometimes we take it a step further and doubt his love for us or doubt even his presence. But when, but we need to sometimes pause and remember that even us standing in front of God and asking for the things we need are is of much more value than the actual things that we're asking for. The fact that we're standing there in God's presence is by itself a, uh, an, an, a fulfillment of anything we're asking for. The liturgy teaches us to thank God uh, who made us worthy to stand in his presence and to serve his holy name. We say that in the liturgy. We should remember also that anything worthwhile takes a little bit of effort. Uh, takes a little bit of patience, takes a little bit of time to obtain. This applies to virtue as well, as uh, as well as the secular world. Uh, we may struggle, for example, for a specific sin that we're struggling with, right? That we need to be patient and allow God to work in our lives. We must also work with God and respond to his grace and his help. Um, and that takes time as well, because sometimes our own will takes time for it to bend and to be um, worn down by God's love and mercy. And, you know, sometimes we act quickly. Sometimes it takes us many years to overcome. But we must also work with God's uh, grace. You know, God's grace is always there, but we have to respond. We teach our kids that hard work, patience is the key to success in their schoolwork and in the key to success in the relationships and the key also in their careers when they start that later on. Uh, and it's, uh, we, we also teach them that laziness um, and, uh, you know, a, a sense of uh, immediate gratification can cause that kind of destruction in one's life and not allow them to achieve anything. This has been our spiritual uh, work as well, as well as our, you know, worldly work. God often does not allow us to reach some spiritual level or some deeper understanding of scripture without struggle, struggle or labor. He does that on purpose. Um, I remember asking many, many years ago, I won't age myself, but many years ago, I asked a Sunday school child, you know, uh, I believe it was a fifth grader or so, why some things in the Bible are easy to understand and some things are not easy to understand. It requires a little bit of work and a little bit of research. And I still remember his answer. He said, because when we find the answer, we will appreciate it more. And that was such a beautiful answer. I mean, I included it for future Sunday school, and here I am including it in a sermon as well. Because when we find the answer, when we find that spiritual level, when we find what we're asking for, when God finally grants it to us after struggle, we will appreciate it more. As well as other things we need too, so that when we receive it, we may treasure it, commit it to memory, hold it in higher value. We'll set a guard against it uh, more attentively so we don't lose it because it is of great value to us. Also, when there's a, there's also a greater reward when the more we endure the struggle, the, the reward is not just at overcoming and obtaining what we're looking for, but the reward is also in the struggle itself. God looks upon the struggle and gives a reward accordingly on how much we struggle for these holy things that we're trying to obtain. So when we have a spiritual war or exercise that we face, like some sort of spiritual exercise, like we talked about last week, let's do so with a mind of hard work with a, a mind of patience responding to the work of the Holy Spirit with perseverance as well, because we know that God is looking upon this struggle with a reward. There's a nice story from the Desert Fathers of St. John the Short, many of you know him, uh, who gives us a great example of someone with perseverance, endurance, and patience, and constant labor. Uh, there's a couple stories relating to him that kind of illustrate this uh, virtue in this saint called St. John the Short. <clears throat> 
One example was that he served St. Amon for 12 years while St. Amon was sick. And during the 12 years, it was said that he never complained and never received a thank you from St. Amon. And so when St. Amon was passing, he said, this is not a man, but an angel. So during the 12 years, he would serve him and without any complaint and do some uh, really tedious labors in the service of this other person who was sick. And the more famous story, of course, with St. John the Short is, um, which many of you know, and our kids know as well, uh, but I'll say it if you'll humor me, um, is when the abbot of the monastery asked St. John to plant in the ground a walking stick. So it was a walking stick, petrified stick, that um, he asked to plant in the ground and water it every day until it gives forth fruit. Of course, the, the saint, the abbot of the monastery was trying to teach him endurance. But St. John did so with amazing simplicity. And though the river was approximately 12 miles away from where the stick was planted, um, he would do so every single day. So every day he would walk 12 miles and walk back and water that plant. And when he continued in this task uh, without speaking one word about it, um, in the third year, the stick, which uh, had uh, began to take root. And over a few more years, it began to blossom and to give fruit as well. And so um, the old hermit of the monastery gathered the fruit and brought it into the church and gave it to some of the brethren and said, take, eat of this, because this is the fruit of obedience and patience. And so we love this story from St. John the Short. Um, and uh, we hope that we have that same kind of, uh, or even a small portion or share of this kind of patience that he had. The reward is in the struggle, not just the outcome, because who cares about the fruit of a stick, right? We care about the actual struggle itself and building the virtue of patience. As we see today, though, the man waited 38 years, not yielding to despair and always trusting in God's plan. Uh, when Christ asked him if he wants to be made well, he responded gently and with faith, but didn't know who Christ was, showing no bitterness at all after 38 years dealing with his sickness. When Christ told him to stand and take up his walk, he did so simply and did so without argument and with faith. He's a great example of faith and trusting God's plan. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. Even though we may not understand the final outcome, we know that God is taking care of us and he's ever present. God also asks us the same question. Do you, make, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? The first step is to ask, what diseases do we have? Not just the physical ones, of course, but more importantly, the spiritual ones, the type of diseases that limit us in knowing God and going close to him and may impact our, our eternal salvation. Some of those habitual sins that have invaded our personality, like some kind of disease, how it invades, invades the body. This, um, you know, these habitual sins have invaded our personality and invaded our humanity and takes over. And if Christ asks us if we want healing for our body, most of us would say yes without even hesitating. But if Christ asks that same question about healing of our spirit or freedom from the sins that we've grown to um, love and have become part of our personality, would we say so readily like we would if it was a physical disease? Would we invite him for this sort of healing? Would we ask him, yes, Lord, we want to be healed, please? Because he is asking us, do you want to be healed? This is the true healing that grants us not only temporary relief, like the healing that we see all the time uh, of when God acts and heals the physical and like problems and physical sicknesses. It gives relief for a, a time, right? And then over a little bit of time, some other issue will pop up with our body, which is so frail. But like the healing of the body, um, we, unlike the healing of the body, the, these kind of healings give us eternal joy and comfort. And some in the world don't even know that they need healing or that they, you know, they, let alone want healing. Um, and God forbid that we are like that, right? We 
always have to search out our, our spiritual life and search out our status and the status of our children and ask God to heal us for those things that even those things that we don't know about, we ask God to reveal it to us and so that we can pray and struggle and overcome through his grace, of course, and through his help. So Christ asks us every day and asks you and asks me, do you want to be healed? And our answer should be yes with determination and uh, perseverance and, and fortitude as well. So when Christ tells the man to stand up, to take up his bed and walk, he did so for a purpose. Oftentimes, our Lord in his love and gentleness, because he knows that we need miracles, uh, you know, especially when he was uh, showing his divinity and his identity and revealing the Father, offers tokens of the truthfulness of what he was performing. Uh, he, when he fed the multitudes, for example, with the five loaves and the two fish, they took up 12 baskets of fragments to prove that they did indeed eat, the multitude did eat and were filled. When he rose people from the dead, he commanded that they eat something as proof that they are indeed alive. So, um, so to the leper was cleansed, he said, go your, show yourself to the priest so that the priest may know that he was indeed healed. At the wedding of Cana, he had the servants fill up the jars with water so that they knew that there was water and that the water was transformed to wine. It was firsthand uh, miracles. And also uh, many more, right? When he appeared to Thomas, he had him touch his hands and his wounds. And so um, these things were tangible to the senses. And Christ understood that humanity was struggling to find the invisible God. So he worked miracles in our senses, you know, made available to our senses and gave tangible proofs uh, of his works and says, I have been working, my father has been working and I have been working as we read today. Throughout the gospels, we read of his healing works, such as with the mute, the deaf, the crippled, the paralytic, those who with withered hands or those who are blind from birth, those with leprosy, he healed the demon possessed. He healed those with fever on the point of death and many, many others that the Bible says were brought to him in multitudes and he healed all of them. The Gospels show that he raised three people from the dead, for example, during his three-year ministry. He worked in his uh, control over nature, uh, the wind, the waves, the animals, the trees, the weather. He controlled all of that. Uh, he worked in his control over material objects as well, turning water into wine like we discussed, feeding thousands with a handful of loaves and a few fish, walking on water. He had power over the spiritual realm as well. He cast out demons. He commanded Elijah and Moses to appear. He opened the heaven at his baptism. He descended into Hades and opened the gates of Hades so that the saints rose and appeared to many and uh, allowed them to, of course, enter into paradise. And of course, he raised himself up from the dead. So he says today, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Since the beginning of humanity's creation, he has been working. Most relevant for us, of course, he's been working for our salvation. Humanity as a whole needed the healing work of his salvation and of his salvific work. And he has been working, and he's still working even today. When we look at, for example, how he rose Lazarus from the dead, and today we celebrated um, the uh, passing of St. Lazarus, um, it says that Jesus wept. And it didn't just apply, Jesus weeping didn't just apply to the scene of the death of Lazarus and the wailing and the mourning of his sisters. All of that was true. I'm sure he felt for that. But he was also thinking of what afflicts all of humanity, the entire human race. So he sees that um, what sin has done to us and how it's brought us down to death and he and how sin has shamed us and how it's brought us down to eat with pigs and, and how sin just is not what, what he intended for us. And he wept. And we, and we see that disease and sin and, and death has entered into the world because of sin. And it brought us down from this amazing way he created us in his image. It brought us down to worse than animals. God places, places 
us on such a high degree, on a, such a majestic level. He honors us more than we can even comprehend or let alone put into words, more than the world can ever offer us. It's sin that brings us down, though, from how God created us and how where God wants us to be. There is no glory or joy or position that the world can ever offer that can even compare with what he's willing to give us. For this reason, as a reminder of God's saving work, the priest says, uh, and he prays the unction of the sick, the litany of the sick, and other prayers. He prays for the healing of the, by, the mind, the body, and the spirit. Jesus is ever victorious. Healing will come to the, to the believers. Healing will come in Jesus Christ our Lord, whether in this world or in the world to come. That's the promise. In today's gospel, the, to, the story of the healing starts with the sixth man who showed his faith uh, in God's healing power. Though he did not know Christ, he still believed that God th was able to work through the water, of course, which we're not going to talk about today. This is a, an amazing proof of uh, the value of baptism. Uh, it's not just an angel that touches the water now. It's uh, the Holy Spirit that touches the water. And not just for one man or a handful at a certain time, but all times, everybody has access now to this water that is touched by the Holy Spirit and has this saving and healing work, not just of the body, of course, but more importantly of the Spirit and uh, for our eternal glory and salvation. For healing, we need to invite Christ. We need to um, invite Christ by showing the same faith and work that this uh, sick man showed, uh, this faith that works through love. No matter how severe things uh, seem to be and no matter how long they've been so, uh, if we invite him, we know that Christ can improve the situation. Christ healed many during his ministry. And we know that in our 2,000-year history, starting with the apostles, the apostles themselves had many um as discussed in the book of Acts, many examples of healing. And in our church history, we know that many healings occur, not just uh, of the body, but of the spirit. The, the, uh, many people raised from the dead in our history. Uh, many people were healed. You know, we hear about Pope Carolos, who was just recently uh, passed away uh, and recently relative to our 2000 year history. And we know the many works of healings that are occurring. Even today, we know that uh, people are being healed um, and of their physical ailments. But there, of course, like we discussed, there's a more important type of healing, the healing of our human nature from the sicknesses that are brought upon us by sin. In this severe case, it was a man who was sick for 38 years to the point where he couldn't even walk. However, when Christ entered into the scene, he raised him up and carries and asked him to carry his bed as a sign of victory. So he carried his bed, showing everybody, this is the bed that, that I uh, used to lay on every day, and now it's a sign of victory. There is no failure where the ever-victorious Christ Jesus our Lord is. And when he is invited to take charge, we know that there will be victory. Even when sin has long been part of our personality, has long had dominion over us, he'll bring us victory in the same place where there was once defeat. He will restore us and allow us to hold up this sin as a badge of um, uh, victory. And we know that with God's glory, we will overcome. Uh, may our Lord Jesus Christ grant us that spiritual as well as the physical in today's world. Uh, the whole world now is groaning for healing. And let it also be for us Christians who not only pray for the healing of the world, but also pray for a greater healing, the healing of our spiritual life as well, so that we may come out of this both physically stronger as well as uh, spiritually. So let us raise our hearts to God for the salvation and healing of the world, both physical and spiritual, by his holy hands, which are without spot or blemish, and are blessed and life-giving, to whom be glory forever. Amen. God be with you all. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, next we to pray. Thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you.
forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The love of God, the Father, the grace of his only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the communion and gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Depart in peace of the Lord be with you. God bless you all and stay safe. And hopefully we get to see you soon.